People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey, is I am. I cannot get over the amount of times I have said Juan Dixon this week. <laughs> Did you ever in your life think he would be as top of mind as he has been this week? I know. And you know, I, I really was thinking about our conversation last week and then again watching Robin on Watch What Happens where Andy basically asked her to outline everything she said on Patreon. So as I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah, I know this. Should I explain this last week on the podcast? But I do want to be really intentional in the way that we discuss this because even watching her Watch What Happens episode, I had so many feelings around it that were very conflicting with one another and I'd like to process that together. Okay. I'm going to tell you my biggest takeaway from all of this Mm -hmm. is that the timing of Robin coming forward and talking about all of this is everything. If she had waited a couple of months, this would not be the hoopla bombshell that it is. It's, I mean, it still would be interesting. Don't get me wrong. And everybody would be so intrigued. But it's because she came forward days after the reunion And as we are all watching the season in real time, that it feels like such a slap in the face. So many housewives, year after year, it's part of it. They obviously don't come forward with everything. We find out things later, like there's secrets, there's drama. That's the name of the game. Nobody's going to be a billion percent honest with the cameras and the other cast members. Like, of course not. It's hard to be raw and emotional, but no one's giving it 100%. And That is part of what Robin said that I agree with. It is all in the timing. That is what has created this. It really is in the timing, especially when you consider the fact that our viewing experience for the reunion will be entirely different now that we have this information. And this hasn't been confirmed, but according to Deadline, part three of the Potomac reunion will include a current day sit down between Andy and Robin where they really dive into all of this, which I think is necessary because I don't think they could have gone as in-depth as maybe he would have wanted to on Watch What Happens. I think the thing that I was so taken by in what she was saying is I understood her logic. And when she said, listen, at the time that this was filming, it wasn't an issue. We'd already worked through it. I get that. I don't even think it's on her to volunteer that information. But the second infidelity became such a topic of conversation, that is where the issue arose. And the point that I don't feel anyone has hit on deep enough, and maybe Andy will when they do the sit down, is how much of that was Robin not wanting to share it or Robin really wanting to honor Juan's wishes, doing something that she knew was going to potentially be detrimental to her. Because Robin has been on Potomac for how many seasons now? She's not a newbie. She is a seasoned housewife. To me, this is not a woman who is just naive in the way that all this works. To me, this is a woman who is really trying to not rock the boat at home because she knows how infuriated Juan would get 
over all of this. It's almost the JLo and Ben conversation Julie and I were having on the podcast of like, how can two people that approach fame so differently be married? It's kind of similar on a different scale with Robin and Juan. How are you going to be married when one person makes their living off of exposing aspects of their lives and the other person is so infuriated, even the general idea of that being a source of conversation? Oh my God, there's so many layers to this. I'm like sweating just thinking about it. I think the Watch What Happens Live conversation was so interesting because Andy is coming from a perspective of like an annoyed boss. Like you have put basically the integrity and the believability and the escapism of like, wow, we are really getting a front row look at these women's lives in like a detrimental place by withholding this information because now we look back and everything we watched this season talking about Robin and Juan was bullshit. Robin had very calculated sort of perfect answers for everything. Like she had an answer to everything. Why when Karen brought up this other woman, did you not bring up this infidelity that you quote knew about? She's like, well, this wasn't a blonde woman from Baltimore. This is a woman who lives in Canada. It's like, okay, technically that is true. What do you think about the receipt while well, Juan paid for the room and then left? We all don't believe that, I personally think. The, everything. She didn't answer for everything. It was in the past. Giselle was protecting me. Like There was just so much there, and she really came prepared with answers. But I think Andy obviously had, was coming from, A, a producer and network standpoint, but also a fan perspective of like us being annoyed that women – not even just on Potomac, but on every franchise, bring the hardest, embarrassing, scary, exciting, amazing moments to the show. And that's why we love it. And that's why they sign up. And this felt like, okay, if you're not going to bring it up, bring it up on home base, which is the show, not on your podcast. Like, Again, I say, which I said last week, it almost would have been better if she just never discussed it at all. But if you're going to discuss it at length and it's going to be mentioned in this way and you're eventually going to talk about it, it has to be on the show or else what's the point? Just have a podcast. I know and I feel that frustration, but at the same time, I cannot shake the feeling that this was not the way Robin wanted to go about it because she said repeatedly, she always knew this was going to come out. Yeah, maybe there was a part of her that hoped it didn't. Same reason she told Juan to stay cordial with this woman in the DMs after the fact. She was hoping maybe if they were nice, she wouldn't go, but she knew on some level it was going to come out. It's not that. It was, I really genuinely believe, and again, this is not a point that has been hit on hard enough. It's a, about maintaining her sanity at home because of how not down for this he is. And like, I really think before next season, they are going to have to have a serious conversation where she pretty much outlines for him listen, if I want to stay on the show, I got to handle this in the way that I want to handle it in the way that feels the most transparent and authentic. I'm not going to bring these issues on us. I'm not going to open up our world completely voluntarily. But the second some of the infidelity comes up, I no longer can approach it in this way because now I'm looking like the idiot. Like I feel as though she has taken the fall for an issue that really is his issue. And somehow now the anger is more centered at her. And I, I, it's not fair. Well, I also feel wrong because even after everything I just said, I also agree with her. Like, why would I raise my hand and tattle on myself? Like, why am I going to now enter all this information? For what? For Karen, who she already can't stand? She's going to hand it to her on a silver platter? Like, that also makes sense to me. And I think if I was a housewife, I would probably feel the same way. Unless it's super necessary or unless you're actually dealing with it in the moment. Like, she said they weren't dealing with it in the moment. It sort of was past. How do you go about that? Like, for what? You're going to expose your husband and, you know, potentially put this out there for your children that he cheated and there's details of it and that you knew about it? I, I don't know. It's like I'm so torn because one minute I'm annoyed as a viewer and a watcher and sort of this invisible contract and oath that they take as housewives to be as real and authentic as possible. But also, like, you're just a human. Right. She is just a human being and really at the core of it, a woman who's married to a person that has not been willing to be super forthcoming in some of the issues in the past. But again, that's why when you really zoom out, your point is the most valid. If she never spoke on this at all, she'd be a lot better off, I swear to God. Because there is just no world, I don't care who you are, what franchise, no matter how beloved you are, for you to come out with this information days after the reunion is filmed and put it behind a paywall, it's not going to be well received. And also my updated point of not only should you not have put it out, 
of course we want to hear it. Like, obviously I want all the tea. Don't put it out the week that you are like the center of attention, where it's your finale and your reunion and all these TikToks are coming up. Like, just ignore it for a couple months and then you won't have this fire. Like Andy and everyone is mad at her because it's happening in the swirl of everything when she has so many other bigger platforms at her disposal to talk about it on. Just like, oh, it all went down in such a way that, I mean, I don't know. I think it probably scared some of them all straight into like, oh shit, I got to really put it out there or else it's not going to be good news. I know. And also because if she were to have done it in that way, she has more of an ability to control the narrative. I know the direct counterpoint to that is, no, putting it on your podcast and your Patreon where you control the editing and you control what goes out, that's actually the most control you could have over a situation. Yes, but you then remove your ability to thoughtfully fight back to the criticism from the other women. Because there's nothing she can then say in response to, for example, Candace's Twitter thread from last week. That is always going to be the prevailing point if you're pinning the two against one another. You know? It's just, oh, this is like, this is one that's going to sting for a little while. And I, I feel bad because I really like Robin and I feel bad that she is taking the brunt of something that is her husband's wrongdoing yet because of the way that the yeah, show is set up. True. And, you know what I mean? Like how is it that Juan cheated and now everyone's pissed at her? It, it doesn't make sense. And I'm very aware of that. And I'm really trying to not feed into that while also acknowledging that part of the way the show is set up is based on the participants' transparency. But what happens when the participants' transparency is then limited based on them trying to maintain sanity within their own home because of their partner's aversion to the show? Like, it is a vicious cycle that I, I literally don't know how they're supposed to get out of. Well, it's also a whole new aspect of Housewives having other platforms to share things. Like, them having a podcast and a Patreon and social media, like, is only however many years old. Like, that hasn't been a thing. So now it's just navigating like what goes where, where, what they're comfortable with and also like what's allowed, you know, like now all these housewives have podcasts that they of course naturally would rather share. They can filter it, edit it, discuss it however they want, control the narrative and not be, you know, shouting it into the void of women who don't like them. It's kind of funny. Like I think about it as if, you know, how laws take a long time, I guess, to get passed and get updated. So it's really hard for them to keep up with social media and technology and like the just ever changing landscape. That's how I feel about housewives. Like they are navigating this world, which is changing so quickly and it can't keep up. Like it's not fast enough. No, it's not fast enough because there are all these other mediums that are very lucrative or have the potential to be very lucrative. And you really have to look at yourself as a business and really weigh what is going to be the most bang for my buck while also maintaining my status on the franchise that I'm on. It's like when, you know, Andy's talking about it with Ebony and Ebony says, listen, Andy, I'm a podcast host myself. I love the paywall. Get your bag. You know, she says it like that. And, and it's true that everyone is looking at it from not a selfish perspective, but a little bit of a selfish perspective and understandably so. So yeah, there's, there's so many factors at play and, uh, we're just going to have to wait for the sit down and even forget about the sit down. There's just like so much to cover in this reunion because honestly, the finale, which we can get into now, had so much less going on than what we're about to see in the reunion. It was a pretty tame finale given the season. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her, but I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen, and every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that, and it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. 
That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Honestly, I guess because Karen left, but it ended on a really sweet note with them all being really proud of Candace and like, I guess sort of resolving their issues. Actually, no, they didn't really at all. But even <laughs> Ashley and Chris having some sort of conversation, I just felt bad that it was his wife's event and he was being like targeted from all sides because they felt this pressure to sort of wrap things up because it was technically the finale. Like they know they're filming the finale, whereas in real life, you would think, okay, it's his wife's event. It's not really appropriate. Let's not bring this up now. Versus like, they're like, okay, time's ticking. We got to bring it up now or never. And right. he sort of was like hearing everything that had gone wrong throughout the whole season. No, I know. And his frustration was boiling over. I'll tell you on a little bit of an unrelated note, and I know that this has been a theme for both of us this entire season. The way that I did a 180 with Candace is something I really was not expecting. And to last season, really not be on her page with most of the things to this season, see everything exactly the way that she sees it and be so moved by where she's come to the point where she's speaking to Chris. And we have been the first ones to voice that there may be some issues in their marriage. I don't know what was going on with me, but I was like hysterically crying when she, (laughs) were you like, did you think that was very emotional? It was so beautiful. Like such a proud moment. They've had struggles in their relationship and work and whatever. It was such like a loving moment. And again, it really was a representation for myself of how far I've come on Candace, where she used to be like one of my least favorite. I really just didn't understand her. And now I can't even remember that. Like she is literally, I stan. This was the season of Candace. It was. She really is one of the most trustworthy narrators we have across all of the franchises. And the fact that she's able to deliver the truth yet do so in such an entertaining way puts her in a category of her own. And I'm just such a fan. Me too. And I think it was an amazing season for her. And honestly, I feel like it'll be an amazing reunion because she's on the right side of history with all of it. And I feel like justice will be served. I got to tell you, and I wonder if Andy is going to bring this up at the reunion. I understand Karen wanting to remove herself in these situations, But also, if we're all going to sit here and give Robin so much shit, and it's totally different, I do kind of feel like, Karen, you're on the show for a reason. I know that you don't want to breathe the same air as Sharice, but you kind of got it for our sake. Like, did you feel that way at all? No, yeah. And there's like nothing that will bring them together. It's truly crazy. Listen, I'm not expecting them to be brought together. I'm not expecting them to be friends. But imagine how entertaining it would have been if a real confrontation took place between them and Candace's more than just her walking away. And honestly, if we're looking at this in any sort of reality, of course that was the right thing to do. What are you going to do? Have a blow up with Sharice while Candace is revealing her music video? Like it is definitely the right thing to do to remove yourself from the situation. But it feels as though Karen gets a pass for deflecting, regardless of what the issue is in a way that no one else does. And as we repeatedly say, we are part of the problem because we are guilty for giving her that pass. But when you really think about it, like, let's talk about it. 
Right. Like, why is Karen allowed to leave in the middle of the conversation and not finish what she started? There are all these allegations that are now not just coming from Sharice, you know, like there are other confirmations or swirlings of people who've heard things from different sources. And honestly, did you feel that when they were confronting Karen about these things, she wasn't saying no? Yeah, no, I told you. She I was, told you. She was like she was like you know i am a free young i'm a young woman like i love my husband i'm a pillar like in the community i'm like all right karen yeah you're like the representative of surrey county but that doesn't mean you don't get your freak on in the bathroom with a hot guy (laughs) but like the way that she was talking about it to me told me everything i needed to know because again to our point when we're not expecting people to volunteer the information i never expected her to look at me and be like yeah sharice is damn right i fucked this guy in the bathroom with some of the best sex i ever had like i never in my wildest dreams expect karen huger to say that however her entire demeanor while responding to this I felt was very telling. And I say that with zero judgment, really just to affirm my previous thought, which is perhaps her and Ray may have some sort of an arrangement. And you know what? That's not something we're ever going to get the details on. And I'm just okay with that. Yeah. I wish I could though. Are you fucking kidding me? Imagine how that initial conversation went down. Oh my God. Can you even imagine? Like, what do you think? I don't know because what you said last week really stuck with me, the visual of feeling like, you know, Ray's the kind of guy that walks into his closet and he has 30 of the same shirts and picks out what shirts <laughs> he's going to wear. What You know, I, I really envision that and it's true. And and uh, it just works for them, whatever whatever's working. I mean, listen, again, this finale was nothing compared to what I think the reunion will be and honestly what the season has been. But nothing but respect for my Potomac ladies for really delivering. Even amidst this whole Juan Dixon situation, I still ride for these women. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada, yada, yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Obviously, you know me, born and raised in Jersey. I live for the New Jersey Housewives. Premiere day is one of my favorite days of the year. But the thing I feel I have to get off my chest before we even can discuss it is while I was watching this, I felt more than ever that I was so tuned into how produced it felt. Did you or you guys feel that way or was that just me? Well, I think it's worth noting that the first time you watched this episode, you were high, which like... (laughs) usually gives a different perspective and you watch things like, what is this? Like, where am I? And sometimes it's real and it translates and you watch again from a different perspective. And like, honestly, I get it. 
I think this was a great premiere in that it gave us everyone and it introduced us to the new women and we sort of are setting the scene. But sometimes introducing, especially with a huge group like this, can be a little clunky. It takes a lot of setups. And I felt like there were a lot of setups. And we're also just like right back where we ended in the hamster wheel with Melissa and Teresa and Joe. And I feel like we've lived so much life since this has been filmed. Like, I can't believe we're now months before Teresa's wedding. Like, Teresa's wedding to me already feels like a century ago. Yes, very much so, especially because we were in real time processing the news that Melissa and Joe last minute weren't coming to the wedding. Like, we already went through all of those emotions. Of course, we're going to re-experience it. But to your earlier point, it actually wasn't the setups with the new women that I found to be so overt in kind of the calculation of it. Cause I know that they have to do that. And I actually liked the intros. I thought they were really fun. Specifically Danielle. I'm immediately on board with her family. I like her energy. I was into that. And I actually can appreciate when they give you some history, you know, shows her with Caroline and Jacqueline and Teresa years ago. It was more so the core cast members and just like, this felt kind of stale to me. I feel like I'm alone because I'm not seeing this at all on Twitter. And I don't mean to be a hater. I live for this. I mean, I literally grew up with these women. They raised me. But I'm just like, something's off to me. Well, maybe. I don't know. I'm just trying to like pick your brain because I definitely felt it too. And I'm not sure why. Like, is it because even with the injection of these new women, I still feel like this episode could have been pinned on the end of last season? Yes. Like it doesn't feel fresh. Yeah. And I, again, we have a whole season ahead of us. I'm sure it is going to be excellent and there are going to be major high points. I just think you get to a certain point where the Melissa, Teresa, Joe stuff is no longer intriguing in the way that it should be. And it is so repetitive and filled with so much sadness that I, I just don't find it to be the most enjoyable storyline. If anything, I think it's painful to watch because we never get anywhere. We know where this train is headed. And it's like, it's really frustrating. It is frustrating. And I think the other thing is because we have the knowledge of what went on in real time with the wedding and where they are currently, you're watching it with not even an ounce of optimism. Because like we know where we're at current day, it only goes downhill from here. Right. Like at least sometimes you can have a glimmer of hope or not expect the expected, but we are when it comes to Melissa and Joe, at least. But I will say, maybe I'm being naive and maybe I will look back on this and be like, how stupid were you? Actually, I'm pretty sure I will say that. But for the moment, I'm going to relish in this feeling of Teresa inviting Margaret over, holding herself accountable in the best way she can, and I guess just like owning it. We've never seen anything like this. Like this felt like a foreign concept to me. Blew me the fuck away. And that actually brings up a DM that I wanted to read that we just got. It says, I can't decide if Louis is the best thing that's ever happened to Teresa or if he's a complete control freak and the hold he has is too much. Just so many red flags coming from him. And that really resonates with me because pretty much everything about Louis in the past and specifically kind of the way that he carries himself on social media, I find so unappealing. Yet at the same time, some of the changes that he has seemed to influence on Teresa feel very positive. And so I think it's okay to be a little bit split on it and say, all right, I got a little bit of strange vibes from this guy. At the same time, clearly whatever is going on in their relationship is having a seemingly positive impact on her. I know. It's an issue that I really, like, I go back and forth on so often depending on the circumstance. And I think a lot of good things can come from it, but also I'm just, I'm not, like, super assured in my feelings about it. Like, when I say he's great for her, he is a good influence on her, he's taught her so many things, like, I am not firm in that stance. You know, I always have like a voice in the back of my mind with all of the other red flags and all of the other things we've heard and behaviors we've seen from him sort of like counteracting that. No, I know there's a lot going on there. And I definitely have some pretty present concerns at the same time. I'm liking what I'm seeing. Like she seems so happy. She seems calmer than we've ever seen her. Let's not glaze over what you said about her inviting 
Margaret over. If we're going to be critical of Teresa, we also have to be, you know, in complete celebration of changes. And look at this. We have never seen Teresa do anything even remotely like this with anyone, but specifically with Margaret. I kind of feel like now that she sees A, how easy it is, and B, that like it kind of works, maybe she'll be like, huh, there is sort of a method to this madness that I've been missing out on all these years. Again, wishful and hopeful thinking on my part, but she never like lived that experience of calmly inviting someone over, sitting down, making the first move, admitting you're wrong, having a very pleasant, open, honest, raw conversation where you take some fault. Like she has never come even close to that. So now finally to dip her toe, maybe she'll see like what all the fuss was about all this time, you know? But also on the other end of it, Margaret has no idea how to receive this side of Teresa. She really doesn't. You can tell. I mean, I think she's appreciative of it. And net net, it's obviously a, a positive thing. But also, if you want to look at this solely from the angle of two opponents, Margaret has a far easier time when Teresa is behaving in the way she behaved in Nashville or wherever they were when she's throwing you know, the table at her, because that makes Teresa just look objectively worse. And now I, I almost think Margaret has to almost reorient the way that she is going to handle Teresa because it's seemingly a different beast. I mean, I think everybody doesn't know what to do with this Teresa. I'm sure all of her friends, families, former housewives, enemies, like are all watching this saying, who is this woman? So Margaret's sort of like the first taste tester. Like she's the guinea pig of Teresa's new ways. So for her, especially, it's probably like, whoa, a big like shock. Yeah. What do you think is going on, uh, Dolores and Jen-wise? I don't know. I feel like they're just really strong personalities that are butting heads, and they both can't wrap their heads around the other one treating them the way they do. And also, like they kind of alluded to at the ending scene, they both have very different ideas of friendship, and that just Mm -hmm. is becoming more and more apparent. I don't know if they'll be able to mend it. I think that they will and they'll come to some sort of understanding and agree to disagree, but they are two worthy opponents. I'll say that. This was one of the aspects though, when I was talking about earlier, how it felt very overproduced that I was referring Mm -hmm. to, because in what world is Jennifer running away from a conversation with Dolores? Like it just felt so dramatized. Yeah. And like, they really weren't speaking to each other at the house until they had that big blow up confrontation. I mean, it probably is awkward, but I don't know. I just felt like it's, it's very weird when there's like this timeline of like, they don't speak. And then now they're all forced to speak because they are starting to film a show together. And that's where show dynamics change things in the way that just like living a real life wouldn't. No, of course. I mean, we even see that with Melissa saying how she texted Teresa the day of the reunion and she doesn't get a text from her until two months later, her birthday, when they're going to be filming. And Mm -hmm. which, by the way, there's a whole string of text messages that just came out in the time that we are recording this. We'll put the link in the description to that post so you can really see for yourself. But there is some major discrepancy with Melissa and Teresa's story in terms of when the texts were actually sent and their level of communication and I, just, I, I'm so over it. But here we are. Aren't here. We're gonna be for the next however many weeks, and obviously, right. like loving it. It's, it's no matter what, no matter how annoyed you get with this shit. At the end of the day, I would always rather watch it than not watch it. And I have to tell you, and I know I've said this before, but for my girl Brittany, Frank's girlfriend, my hairdresser, seriously, one of the gentlest souls who would come over in a KN95 mask and cut my dad's hair outside in the middle of COVID, like to see her fully leaning into her relationship with Frank on the show is making me so happy. Because like this was a whole side of Frank's life that wasn't even really shown. And she really is such a quality person. I love that we're seeing her. And I love the Dolores and the Polly. I heard Dolores and Polly on Jeff Lewis's show. Like he's funny and great. And Again, the way that we've never seen Teresa in a way like this, we've never seen Dolores in a relationship like this. Like she has really melted for him. And even she is totally in shock at this side of her that's come out. I don't even think she knew that she had this in her. I think she just thought she always had shown as much love and mushiness and 
given all she could ever give. And this has completely softened her in such a different way. It's really cute to see. Well, also because in her relationship with David, even though for a while there she maintained that she was fine with how it was until, of course, she wasn't, when you really break it down, it was just a method of self-protection. You know, she had to force herself into thinking that she was okay with this because if she really confronted how not okay with it she was, she would have been deeply hurt at the lack of progression. So I think she is probably liberated by the ability to lean into her desires and show that they are met with somebody who's actually probably even more like dominant in them. Yeah. I'm glad that we get to see this. And I also like that we're coming in at a point where it feels like they're already very secure in their relationship. So we get to see more of the good stuff, not them figuring it out in the beginning. But also Frank now navigating this new normal and his relationship with Polly, which as we know is, I think, pretty rocky. It's not, that's not going to be a good situation. It's going to be, I no. think, yeah. You can tell. I mean, Frank is totally shaken by this. And of course, you're looking at it from Dolores's perspective of like, listen, this is where she's at in this phase of her life. And she's allowed to set whatever boundaries she, her and her new partner want. At the same time, I'd be lying to you if I said that I can't understand from Frank's perspective when he's been so accustomed to things going a certain way, maybe having a little bit of a struggle with the learning curve. Like at the end of the day, of course, I understand what Dolores is saying. And if this is what's necessary to enter this new phase of her life, I'm all behind her. But like, I fully give Frank some grace for feeling confused. Yeah, all of a sudden his world's flipped upside down. They've had such an interesting and unique relationship for all these years that was working really well for them. They had such a nice setup. And now it's a little different. And I think it's easy to put the blame on Polly when, of course, it also is mostly, if not all, on Dolores. Like, it's how she navigates her relationship. It's just, it will be very tricky for them to navigate, especially on TV. Yeah. I'll tell you my favorite part of this episode, hands down, seeing the true behind the scenes of those Evan Goldschneider basketball photos we have been getting oiled <laughs> up. I was going to say, like, <laughs> he is so I loved hot. it. Honestly, it was an amazing move for them to focus on, like, the husbands doing this hilarious thing in the premiere episode because as much as everyone hates on it and says it's not their show, we all love to see them. And this was hilarious. Wait, also, they looked amazing. They did. They all looked really good. And the other thing I really loved is how genuinely attracted all of the wives were to their husbands. Like, they were so proud while watching yeah. them. And you know what? What a good feeling that is. So cute. Yeah. I mean, we have a whole season ahead of us. I am, of course, deeply optimistic about what's to come. But we're going to have to work through some old shit, and it's going to be a little bit repetitive. And if you're in it and you guys are in it, I'm in it. We're in it, baby. Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just <laughs> gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wear. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because you guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. 
Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. This was a super, super strong premiere of Vanderpump, and I think it's because of the amount of foreshadowing going on. I mean, we have a whole montage of Katie and Tom's relationship together, ending with her saying, my one rule is don't hook up with anyone in the friend group, where we then know Tom ends up hooking up with Raquel. We see Lala talking about Randall. We see James and Allie. Like, just so many things sort of teasing how the season will go. And of course, Katie and Tom coming in so positive that they will be able to remain hunky-dory best friends and also knowing that that is not a realistic expectation. I agree with you. Very, very strong premiere, partially because of the foreshadowing, but also partially because it had, to me at least, some serious OG energy. It definitely had OG energy, but I also think the drama that each of them have are equally as interesting in different ways. Like Katie and Tom getting divorced is just a bombshell and getting to finally get a peek behind the curtain what was going on as we sort of put the pieces together through social media, then seeing them at lunch and then seeing them apart, seeing him hook up with Raquel, the comments going back and forth. Like we were really doing some CIA shit to really like get an idea of what was happening. So now to see them both sit down in their confessionals, two of the most open and honest people, like speaking about what Robin Dixon did not do, they are the epitome of putting everything out there. And even Tom just like admitting and kind of understanding what he did wrong and Katie saying how she asked for a divorce and how this new life is really hard for her. Like these are honestly the best main characters that we could ask for this to happen to because like they will spill everything. And Lala, Lala's drama is is like fucking way bigger than the Bravo universe. And I am surprised at how much she is talking about it, but also how much she's really allowed to talk about. My number one takeaway from this premiere, and it's nothing new, it's something we've known, Lala Kent was made for reality television. Because you could be having this exact same situation going on in your life, but the way that she presents it is, it's professional. The best representation that I can think of is that one scene where she rolls up to Tom Tom in a purple silk satin suit with snatched makeup, low bun. She sits down, ready to go, give all the information, talk about the LA Times article dropping, say why she's mad at Schwartz, talk about what's going on, cry about her kid, talk about the people that are there for her. Like She gave it all in such a amazing yet also so endearing way and i'm like yeah you are a motherfucking star that on top of the fact that in her confessional she throws out that 50 cent was right i mean those are the things like we're talking about such a serious subject matter yet she brings into the conversation something that was so relevant in the pop culture world she could have made that same exact point without mentioning 50 cent but she knows the impact that that has on the viewers because we were so involved in all of that when it was going on. I mean, we did an emergency episode at the time. You know, it's it's she really has a gift for for being able to deliver information in such a satisfying way. Even, you know, to your point, here she is talking about some really serious shit, but then you can also have her talking to James Kennedy and doing a flashback about the time that they hooked up and giving an explanation as to why she was doing handstands. Like that is a reality star. Say what you want about Lala. She knows what she's doing. 
get you a girl who can do both. Just for real. But and I I agree with you that you know about the surprise you felt in terms of what she was allowed to talk about because clearly she had legal counsel before doing any of this and she's saying what she can. Yeah. I loved hearing the intel that she had this meeting on Sheena's rooftop, which by the way, just it being on Sheena's rooftop alone is so additive to me. But that she had this meeting and that the core purpose of the meeting was basically to say, you guys cannot associate with Randall anymore if you're going to be around me, not just for personal reasons, which I'm sure she felt, but literally because of legal custody reasons. Like we can't be sharing friends, having mutual friends, aka my friend Schwartz, who I'm with all the time and I'm a co-star in a reality show, can't be going over to his house to play pickleball on Sundays in a league. That is also the epitome of Schwartz, I think, is like things do not get through to him. He... Mm -mm. I believe a lot of times means really well. And I do think in his core and his heart, he's a really good guy. But there is a like chip processing missing. And that little thing alone, I think, is a representation of like oh, so much of what went wrong in his marriage to Katie and what goes wrong in all of his relationships and ways that he's fucked up over the last decade that we've watched. I know. And the difference is that doesn't even remotely fly with Lala. I mean, you saw those text interactions, which I did feel that she could have handled that differently, but also what did you expect? What I found to be a little bit off-putting in terms of his response is when he says to her, listen, what happened with you and Randall is between you and him, which maybe in a different situation, that would be the truth. But now it's no longer just what's happened between Lala and Randall. The accusations that are flying about Randall are far greater than Lala and honestly have nothing to do with her. And to not understand or or to choose to not have an understanding of how that factors into the bigger picture. Yeah, of course, if I'm Lala, I'm pissed. I think she was a little harsh. I don't think she necessarily needed to bring Katie into it when she's fighting with him over text. But like, I very much understand how upset she was. I think if Lala hadn't actually held this meeting and sort of was just dealing with it more privately and then Schwartz was like going and hanging out with Randall, it would be a whole other scenario. I mean, how many times have we seen that where they don't say anything like blatantly, but someone's mad at like the other friend playing both sides in the split up in the divorce? No, no, no. That is not the case here. Lala literally held a fucking meeting to explain the outlines of what she is asking and why and the reasoning and how it looks and like the reasons that she's doing all of it. So there is no confusion here. It's not like he was blindsided and not understanding, oh, I didn't know we could, couldn't be friends with both. No, no, no. You literally attended the fucking PowerPoint presentation. And then also like, I'm just, I'm sorry. It is so funny that then he's like, well, I really thought having that meeting was like so narcissistic of you. It wasn't like she sat down with like Lala themed pillows and merch and said like, here's a meeting all about me and how I'm feeling and what you all need to do for me. She sat you all down and said, here's what I need you to do as my core group of friends and co-stars who are under a major microscope in the spotlight. I need you to have my back and help me in this way that will then eventually be better for me and my kid. Like, yeah, I, I know, I know. And you know, the other thing about that, that I found to be really frustrating if I'm Lala is like Schwartz is the type of guy that can kind of default back on the excuse of like, well, I just didn't know. How was I supposed to know if you didn't tell me? You know, he maybe lacks that intuition of knowing what the correct thing to do in the moment is. But here she is spelling it out for you. And he's the first one to say that he has a little bit of an issue, you know, listening. And of course, that was one of his the issues in his relationship with Katie. But like, I think it's a totally different beast if the person's not outlining it for you. She quite literally said exactly what she needs in order to not only keep her sanity, but maintain her best shot in entering this custody battle. And for him to do the exact opposite, like he can't even use ignorance as an excuse is what I'm saying. I almost like in a way that this drama is happening between Lala and Schwartz that is related to Randall because the shit with Randall is so dark and the stuff between Lala and Randall and figuring out their shit, we're of course not going to get the full story because of legal reasons. And 
Lala will talk about her feelings until she's blue in the face. Like that's just how she is. But again, we don't know the parameters of that. But getting this drama with Lala and Schwartz is like close to it. We're getting close to the sun. We're related to it. We're pulling out pieces of details and information, but it's still within the core group. So we get to hear both sides. Like with Randall, we don't get to hear Randall say anything, not that we want to, but it's very much a one-sided thing versus like with Schwartz and Lala. I like the I like the back and forth. I'm secretly happy that this tussle is sort of going down because I think it's kind of a good plot to bring the rest of the crazy shit going on in her life back to the show. Well, they're also like the most unmatched opponents. You right, know, like they're right. yes, they're both very raw and vulnerable people, which obviously has been part of the reason that they've achieved such longevity on Bravo. But the way they handle things is so different. No, I mean literally polar opposite like, people. Literally have polar a, opposite. But have a nice friendship and have known each other for a long time. So it just makes it like so enjoyable to watch. And I think it will be drawn out. I think we'll see a lot of the back and forth that goes on with this. And I just I know this is gonna be a ride. And back to what I was saying, how everyone has drama, Raquel and James. No. Breaking up, him finding the new love of his life, them, quote, running into each other in the back alley of Sir and, like, having this weird-ass conversation. No. I can't. I just know that there is no way I will ever be able to put words to the way that I felt watching that scene, although I have to imagine that you and some of you guys felt similarly. It was so, like, painful and secondhand embarrassment-inducing to watch you know, her so desperately wanting to get something out of him that even remotely mimicked the idea that he missed her or missed what they had and him really coming at it in an approach that completely lacked sensitivity, but also I think for him was putting up a boundary to really not reenter that space. And it was so fucking painful. Like she's just dying there to be thrown a bone of validating the relationship that they had, you know, not trying to take away from what he currently has, but like give her something. And he was intentionally giving her nothing. And the combination of that with her being a little bit tipsy to then repeatedly asking, you know, just wanting to make sure he's okay as a way to elongate the conversation and the power dynamic shifting in a way where now he's the one that gets to control when they talk about this and how I was like, fuck it. I was losing it. Like I, I, I know. Oh, it was it was crazy because also you feel how hard he's trying and that is always James like he is always trying so hard and it's so transparent of him being like yeah we're great love of my life can't wait to go there i you know i'll drink wine in italy i'm going to go there with my girlfriend like he just has diarrhea of the mouth and like is trying to seem like this cool like just unbothered person when like, I'm sure he overthought that conversation. I'm sure he was just as nervous to see her, but he came off in this like douchebag way that he's so good at being. And it just like, it was just a terrible match in both of their energies. And I really do think this was the first time they spoke because that awkwardness was really there. And it just was like, oh my God, this is what we're going to be dealing with. And then Raquel seeing his girlfriend when they're at James's event, it's just, it's really, it's so painful. And then, oh my God, the Peter element. No. Like, no. Peter, Peter waltzing the fuck in and saying, hey, I'm going to take your girl out. And James clearly doesn't give a fuck, which honestly good for him. Like he, I think old James would never be able to like come to that, even if it was his ex-girlfriend that he didn't care about. And he was like so supportive. So I don't think it, it, there's any part of him that still really like wants to get back with Raquel but of course you still have feelings for someone you were literally engaged to it just the incest in this group never ceases to amaze me like just when you think you've seen every combination possible they find a new one yes and also I so agree I was happy that James seemed pretty unfazed by that because the only thing that can make him even more intolerable is if he were to be as removed from Raquel and seemingly as dismissive of their relationship as he was, and then also be pissed about Peter. It's like, yeah, you just can't have both. You're that's, that's not allowed. Pick a lane. So I actually can commend that if this is the route that he's going to go down. It was just really, you know, it's funny because as you're watching this, you, you try to remove the players here and think about the situation for 
the logistics that are at play, which is an ex-girlfriend seeing her ex-boyfriend for the first time after they had just broken up and he's already in a serious relationship with a woman that he's living with. Like That's a very uncomfortable dynamic, yet you're watching it and you're saying to yourself, Raquel, you dodged literally the biggest bullet. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, James Kennedy is made for reality TV. Yes, of course, I appreciate him as a character, but like, this is the last guy you ever want to date. So I, it's hard to try to, you know, be as empathetic to her as you maybe want to because you're also in such celebration that this relationship ended because like fucking obviously, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. I think she will come around to that fact. Like he's the easiest person to sort of realize after you've broken up that you like have an ick and dodged a bullet, you know? Like I feel like a lot of times if someone breaks up with someone, your friends rally around you and they try to think of all the things that are negative or negative about your relationship or things about – the other person that was maybe a red flag. And sometimes it's probably hard to do that if the person was great and you had a lovely relationship. But let me tell you something. James Kennedy is not someone that anyone would have a problem doing that. I mean, the the list is pretty much endless. He makes it so easy. I mean, <laughs> exactly. he, you know what I mean? Like, I, know. I, I, just, I just could not imagine breaking up with someone relatively amicably, you know, like nothing terrible happening, not feeling as though they're this terrible person. You break up with someone and you're then seeing them and to just so shamelessly throw your new relationship in their face with zero regard for the understanding that they're still not emotionally there. It's like a very, to me, that's like a major flaw in a person. And again, you're right. Of course, he's a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit more uncomfortable than he leads on. Even if he has zero feelings for Raquel, like it's still a specific instance that like no matter who you are, it's a little bit bizarre. But his his default reaction is not to lean into compassion. It's to lean into ego and like the, the more inflated ego and as above it as he can come across. And I just can't imagine how annoying that must be to be on the receiving end of. Oh, his whole life is led by ego. Yeah, Every like, single thing he does is ego, ego, ego. Right, which is why it's not something that he should be applauded for, but that is why I was actually taken aback by his reaction to the Peter thing. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't know. This is a this is a good one, though. Like, if I'm comparing this to the Jersey premiere, I thought this one blew it out of the water. Oh, I was on the edge of my seat every second because it was all so interesting and so new. Everything that I just mentioned that is dramatic is not something that we've seen at all before. Like this is the first time they're all talking about it and we've been waiting on the edge of our seat to hear about. So that's a huge difference too. Yeah, yeah. I know we had said you know, before when we started recording that we weren't going to really get too much into Miami because amazing episode to watch, but kind of nothing happened. It was just them having fun, which like is the best thing ever, but not the best to analyze. The one thing I worth mentioning is the conversation that was happening between Adriana and Alexia as Marisol arrived. We'll see what happens next week. But if I'm Adriana, I am so annoyed that Marisol is entering at that moment because I actually felt they were getting somewhere in a way that they hadn't thus far. Well, I'm just happy that they even got to that point. I think it was a necessary conversation. It was something looming throughout the group. And truly, like when Adriana brings it back, you were a bridesmaid at my wedding. You know me so well. And I feel like we both having these close friendships with Julia and with Marisol as our like sort of sidekicks have torn us apart. Why is that happening and how can we fix that? Like that was so necessary to happen. And it really just like brought everything back to almost – square one and ground level of like how much history and how much in common that they really have and how much all this bullshit has really gotten their way. Right. But also, as we always talk about with Miami, the way that you are constantly reminded at the foundation of this group and how it doesn't feel just like a bunch of women thrown together. These are real relationships, especially when they do the flashback and you see, you know, Alexia's mom's funeral and so many major life events that they've been present for each other at it it doesn't add a level of substance to the show because it's been there but it just reinforces the substance that we're already feeling right totally i'm happy this conversation even broke ground because i think just that first step alone is like a huge huge thing totally totally and that they're both open to it yeah yeah best show on tv i stand by that best show on TV. And this episode was so good, but it was so 
almost anticlimactic because everything went so smoothly. I know. Which was like such a pleasure to sit back and watch. Like I felt like I needed a frozen margarita, but I'm sure things will take a turn. Totally. I also want to say just going forward, you know, there's a lot of shows out right now because this week we had Potomac, Jersey, Vanderpump, and Miami. We're going to add on to that Summer House and any other news that happens. So I think probably the approach that we'll take going forward is we won't touch on everything every week, just kind of like the best of of the week because I, I think it'll be too hard to get, get an episode out if the expectation is to really dive deep into every one, you know? Yeah, we're going to have to pick the weakest link and that's just something we're all going to have to live with. We're just going to play it by ear. So please, as we go into this next phase of show cycles, just give us a little bit of grace as we figure out the best format because I promise we're trying to figure it out behind the scenes what works the best and the best date for release and all of that. So yeah. Yeah. If you have any thoughts, please DM us. We'd love to hear them. Oh, please. We are like so curious what you guys are into. Like, Tell us the shows that you're the most into because that also, of course, informs our decision. Totally. Okay. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. Thank you for giving us a place to discuss the thoughts that nobody else wants to talk about. And we'll see you next week. 